And raise your hand if you've ever been there, where you've got projects on the hard drive, and then when you finally start editing them, you realize, oh no, I did a bad thing. Then you have to see the footage you shot, and then you just realize all the things you did wrong. It's of the utmost importance for a documentary filmmaker, I think, once the primary shooting is done, it is so important to get that media imported and edited to a rough cut state. It is so important because you can't start solving the puzzle until you know what the pieces are and you don't know what the pieces are until you've done a rough cut. Yo friend, welcome to the Adventure Film Academy show. We're gonna talk about uh, why passion projects don't get finished. Ironically, inside of a passion project that I've wanted to start. So maybe it's a little too meta to do as the first episode of a new show talking about why things, things don't get started. But to kind of ground this a little bit, uh, my name's Levi, I make adventure films. If you're coming here from my channel, it's good to have you. Uh, you're probably somewhat familiar with a single video that I've made if you're ending up here. But if you haven't, and you're one of those people like me, who once you find a podcast 100 episodes deep, you go sort by new and you click back to the first ones uh, if it's a show that you're actually enjoying. And so you're here at the very beginning and you're wondering what's the beginning and you don't actually know anything. Uh, just go to YouTube and search Levi Allen and you'll find some of my videos. I've been in a place where I've been procrastinating a passion project that I spent thousands of my own dollars on and weeks of my own life shooting. Not so I didn't spend weeks of anybody else's life. I spent weeks of my own life traveling somewhere, putting in a lot of hard work, filming uh, episodes of a show, of a series that I was working on. And to this date, they haven't seen the light of day. Uh, it's fascinating how we can put so much work into stuff that just doesn't get finished. And maybe maybe I can just speak for myself. It's incredible how many different projects I will be so enthusiastic about, but then there's a massive valley <laughs> or pit that I end up in at some point in that project that prevents me from moving forward and then I and then I get stuck and then I deprioritize it and I don't finish it. Because the difference about passion projects versus a project you're working on for someone else is I don't know about you, but I'd never be late. Uh, I'd never not finish something that someone's paying me to make. <laughs> That's just not how I roll. I'd like to get hired again. I charge a decent amount for the videos that I make because I feel like I do a pretty good job. And the idea of taking someone's money and then shooting something and not finishing the edit is unthinkable. It's not something that I would ever do. And yet here I am making videos for myself that haven't seen the light of day, that haven't been finished. And it's one of those things that when I'm going to bed at night, sometimes I'll get those cold flashes, a cold sweat, and I'll just kind of feel nauseous that there's something that I cared about that I haven't finished. I don't know if you resonate with that. If you've ever started, like maybe you're at the stage where you haven't even started the passion project, but you want to. That is something that I relate to so profoundly, where there's something that you've wanted to do for a long time, but you haven't yet. But then it's a whole new world of hurt if you've actually started the thing, put in a lot of mental resources and money resources, and then not taking it anywhere. Those are kind of the two most common places I find myself where I either never start the thing or I invest a ton of time and then I don't finish. 
And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I'm gonna I'm gonna basically lay this open in a way that I haven't before. And if you haven't put the dots together yet, I'm specifically talking about the Slack Life series. This is a series of outdoor adventure micro doc pieces that I started shooting back in 2016, 2017, 2017, I think I started. I started in 2017 and it was a follow-up to kind of my first long documentary, Untethered. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of bounce around here a little bit. I hope that you'll stick with me in this uh, scatterbrain style format, but I'm hoping that if you're in a place where you are overthinking your passion projects, that this will be something that will be somewhat, I don't think it's gonna be helpful. <laughs> Maybe I gotta be careful how I say that. I don't think there's gonna be specifically tactical advice. This isn't 10 tips to overcome your procrastinating. That's not what this is. This is me going here as someone who's been doing YouTube for 10 years, uh, I still get profoundly stuck. I want to talk about a project of mine that has never been finished and I'm finishing right now. And, and some of the reasons why I want to hypothesize about how I got so stuck with this, because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's pretty embarrassing to be this stuck. Uh, it's not it's not a very fun feeling to have something that you said to yourself you were going to finish a while ago and then hasn't been done. Uh, that's not a very it's not a very enjoyable experience. And let's just call it what it is. So, <laughs> starting in 2017, I started working on a series of videos. I was going to make a web series, and I was a little I don't want to say lost in my adventure filmmaking, but I was a little unsure of where it was gonna take me. And I was hoping that making a series was a fast-tracked route to finding funding or money to pay for it all. Because at that point, I'd just been paying for it myself. And obviously one of the goals is, hey, I would like to do this for a living, so I'd like to find money for it. And after making one documentary, it seemed like the natural progression would be to take more of a episodic format because that also seemed less hard to finish it seemed more tackleable. <laughs> and this has kind of been a, a story on my channel. And if you've been by any of my live streams in the past, or if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that uh, these episodes have been worked on for years now. And thank goodness we got episodes one through five finished. Uh, but we also shot more. And there's three more that were never uploaded. Episodes that I poured thousands of my own dollars into that I worked really hard on, that I spent weeks shooting, that I traveled to different countries to shoot, that I bought plane tickets for, it's just insurmountable amounts of work on a passion project that never saw the light of day. That's not entirely true. There's some highlight segments that made it out relatively quickly after it being filmed, but they were never fully edited into episodes. They were never put on the channel. And uh, I carry that still to this day until they are done. This is, I like to speak in hyperboles. Hyper, is that the right phrasing? I like to speak hyperbolically. I like saying things in the realm of this is my biggest failure. <laughs> I like saying things like that. Uh, that I'm not entirely sure if that's true in this case because there's a few other failures that come to mind in the realm of video storytelling that are bigger than this one. But I think it's fair to say that this is my most procrastinated, unfinished, longest standing video that hasn't been edited over five years, that it hasn't been finished. And that is wild. How do, how do we get to a place like that? And I don't think I'm alone. Uh, and I think that there's some overlap with 
projects that we haven't started shooting yet. And I think there's some themes about how we as creatives can overthink it. So I was chatting with some friends, especially at the start of this year, about why these episodes weren't out yet. And I've got, I just managed to spin these massive narratives, right? I have, I have all my reasons. Uh, my brain is really gifted at coming up with excuses. <laughs> and so I've got a narrative. I've got a story that I'm telling myself about why they aren't getting worked on, why they're not getting done. It's the classic urgent versus important work, which one comes first. And the thing is, when I tell that narrative to people, they just realize, wow, uh, like it's so clear from an outside perspective how much, uh, how much I'm overthinking it. And the more that I do this thing where you have an idea and try to bring it to life, the more I'm convinced that overthinking is one of the greatest barriers that I'm up against on a regular basis, where I manage to talk myself out of finishing or even opening a project file, I'm my worst enemy by far. I, in my head, I'm not worried. And I don't know how the viewers of my work will feel about this. I'm not necessarily so concerned how it's going to come across uh, to the end viewer in the sense that, let me put it another way. I'm not, the reason why I'm not starting or finishing these things is a fear of how they'll be received. That's not, that's not the utmost reason. Uh, the biggest fear is not, what if I pour all my time into this and people don't like it? That's not the main reason why I'm not doing it. The main reason why I'm not doing it is conversations that I'm having with myself as a person who makes things. It's myself. It's my own ideals about what I want it to be and where I feel it's falling short and then my own disappointments that go along with that. And of course, tied into that at some point is how a viewer will perceive the thing that I've made and how they experience it. That's a part of it. But I think there's an assumption that that might be a bigger issue for me than I, I can't speak for most creatives, but that's that's on our radar. But I don't think that's the biggest reason. And I say that because it's an incredibly addictive process to be publishing things. It's so fun. Um, to me, there's very little downside to having things that are done and published. Uh, it's so rewarding to have a finished thing and put it out there and get all the endorphins, uh, regardless of its performance from a metric standpoint. So how do we end up in a place where stuff that uh, I've shot th five years ago is still on my hard drive um, and not being edited? Um, that is that is kind of where we're at today. And then on the flip side of that, how do I also have something like a podcast about filmmaking that I've been wanting to start for ages that I just don't start? And I think it just keeps circling back to this idea of overthinking, of making things too complicated. And there might be some overlap here with the ADHD mind, uh, with the brain that I've been gifted with as a human being, uh, where chronically overthinking things is is a factor. And the plus side of that is that you can end up making cool connections and and going about things in an approach, especially as a neurodivergent person, your process is going to be different than a neurotypical person. And that could end up bringing about a different outcome that is uh, refreshing and exciting. Uh, but the downside is, is that uh, especially if you're like me and you've been your own worst enemy and getting something done, there's just so many reasons that you can tell yourself why something's not getting done and it's such a hindrance. So <laughs> maybe at this point you're wondering, okay, well, spill the beans. What is it? What's the reason 
what are what are the reasons why you're overthinking this? Um, and I don't know, I don't know what your reasons are for overthinking things. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at the Levi Allen and let me know what some of them are. You can also send me some show ideas there. Um, I think it would probably work best just for a logic standpoint to walk through this chronologically. And and maybe there's some relatability within all this soup that I've gotten myself into. Uh, when I made my first long form documentary on Tethered, that project alone was something that was one of these classic five years in the making type thing where I'd been wanting to do something for so long and I'd been thinking about it and I'd been, I'd just been giving myself all these excuses for why I wasn't ready. I didn't have the right gear. I didn't have the right experience. I didn't have an audience. I didn't have talent or athletes around me that were interesting to film. And I had so carefully been able to give myself all these excuses that it gave myself the ability not to ever try. And that is a devastating place to be as, as a maker, because if you aren't even allowing yourself to pick up your tool, how will it ever get done? And it's this belief and this fantasizing that we want all the elements or I want all the elements to be lined up perfectly or lined up ahead of time in order to start it all. I want to know each step of the way. I want to know who I'm going to film. I want to know how it's going to go. I want to know what the end length of the video is going to be. I want to know how it's going to feel for the person watching it. I want to know what cameras I'm shooting it on. I want to know what memory cards. I want to know what drones. I want to know where we're shooting. I want to know all these details from beginning to end before we even start. And sure, there's some level of preparedness that is absolutely vital for executing a video, for actually finishing it. But you have to know in order for an adventure to start, you got to leave the house. Uh, if a boat is going to exist as a boat, it's got to leave the harbor. You've got to you've got to set sail and go to sea. And with a project, if you aren't actually ever trying to start and you're just waiting for all the elements to line up perfectly, you're going to be at a, a stalemate with yourself and you're going to barricade yourself in and not allow failure to actually happen. Because I don't actually mind failure that much. To me, it's a big win to try something, to have it not work, and to learn from that. But you can't learn from a failure that isn't even started or finished. And that is where I found myself five years into doing video, where, I mean, around me, the people in my life were aware that I could do video in a sense. I could edit to music. I could edit to dubstep. I started with biking videos. That's where I kind of started experimenting with video the most. But I had these ambitions of making a story that I was proud of. And I, I had attempted three or four or five different documentaries that were all way too big in scope. And it kind of hit this crux point for me where I had I wasn't full-time into video yet. And I wanted to be but I didn't want to be one of those people that went 10 years into something and never got to a place where they made something they liked. And so I came up with this brilliant idea of how about I launch my full-time career with a film that I like, and if it doesn't go well, I can just quit. Uh, and once you make that decision to go all in on something, for me, that's a really beautiful moment because then we're going. Uh, then, then it feels almost like things are going to align with you just by sheer force of will to just make it happen and finish it. That camera gear that you don't have, well, guess what? Now your friend's going to lend it to you. Uh, that subject you don't know is going to be in your film when you're in that headspace, you find them. And that's where I found myself 
uh, when I just jumped full into doing this full time where I kind of said, hey, if I don't make a film I like by the end of summer, I'm going to quit this thing. And through a long <laughs> sequence of events, I just accepted that this I need to make a non-perfect thing. It can't be perfect. And what do I mean by perfect? I mean, what I see in my head as the ideal scenario, because clearly perfection isn't possible. So when I say perfect, it's the ideal scenario in my head that I'm trying to bring to life. Uh, once I accepted that, what I end up making will be different than that. And if I just keep waiting for everything to be perfect and laid out in front of me and all lined up, it's never going to happen. Once I kind of just accept that and also just embraced the shame of not starting something for five years, kind of used that all as my all-in moment. And I went out and uh, put on this hat of, I'm going to make this happen. And, and then I did. <laughs> it was more work than I thought. It was way harder than I thought. It was challenging in ways that I never expected. And I went through this process called filmmaking and I made a video that I liked. And all these doors started opening up once I actually started to put some feet down the trail of, hey, I want to actually finish this film and not just talk about finishing it. And if we fast forward a little bit, to me, that film was supposed to launch my career. It was supposed to be, hey, here I'm here now. My name's Levi. I make videos. Here's a great video I've made. Let's get this ball rolling. I'm going to do this now for my career for the for at least the time being until I decided uh, otherwise. That was the big uh, that was the big idea behind that. I wanted to make something I liked and start my career with it. And a misconception I had at that point was that it was going to bring about a lot of client work. <laughs> it brought about zero client work. Uh, I didn't get a single client project related to that film for over two years. Uh, and that's okay. But I still, the whole reason why I wanted to get into video in the first place was to make stories that I liked. And to pay for them, I needed to do client work to pay for the stories that I wanted to make. But I wanted built into the way I did my life. Uh, this model of not waiting for someone else to pay me to make things I like. I wanted to just pay myself out of the gate. And what do I, what do I mean by pay myself? Well, I mean just lose money shooting things for fun <laughs> uh, before anybody writes you a check. That's how I shot the first film. And of course, after you make a film that's decently well-received, all things considered, there's a lot of expectation around, okay, now I should be able to get funding, right? I should be able to get money from a sponsor, I should be able to scrap together $5,000, $10,000. Like I should be able to scrap together some amount of thousands to then spend on the next thing. And I really struggled to make that happen. Uh, it was, I put together all these pitch decks. I called all these companies. I did all these phone calls, but it turns out it's rather difficult to secure sponsorship <laughs> and sponsorships come from relationships. And if you don't have the relationships yet, it's very difficult to do that. And I had kind of been hoping if I launched my career with a piece I like, the doors would be easier to open, uh, but they weren't opening in that sense. Uh, and I, I was kind of stuck and I thought, well, the solution here I think is to make more a, a larger quantity of things. I can't be upset that the my filmmaking company, Left Coast Media House, doesn't have more notoriety because I haven't actually made that many films yet. So I've got this YouTube channel that I'm doing the vlogging thing and tutorials on, and I've made some finished films that at the time I was calling like my originals. Uh, this was right around the time that 
it was becoming way more common that Netflix was uploading their own movies and shows that they themselves had shot. So I was thinking in the head of like a streamer where a streamer platform where I'm thinking, okay, my my just go-to regular bread and butter stuff are the YouTube or the tutorials and the vlogs. But I want to use this whole machine to go out and then make a project that I'm genuinely proud of. And I want to do that on a yearly basis. And I want to put that on the calendar before other people are paying me to do it. Obviously, I'd hoped that there'd be some sponsorships involved and that I'd get funding. Uh my skill, I just couldn't make I didn't I couldn't make it happen. Maybe there's an alternate timeline where I did or where I worked harder or where I got on the phone with the right person. But after several months of trying to get funding for shooting more slacklining, it just wasn't happening. So I did a little Kickstarter with my audience at the time. Some of you have been around since then. And I set out to just go shoot more content. And the plan was to make five episodes at the start. And that's what we did. And uh, some people traveled over from Germany and I was shooting with Spencer again and we just went out and I started to, to try think in this headspace of filming more episodic style content. And there's a lot of lessons that uh, I learned in that. And I was still thinking in the headspace that I was going to sell the show, that I would produce it, that I'd film it, but then someone would buy it <laughs> to pay for it, right? Because how do, how do you make money doing that when you're not uh, planning to get internet famous or not even trying? And it's how do you how do you pay for stuff that costs thousands to make and the amount of hours it takes to edit is just mind-boggling. Uh, obviously, I wanted to put it in some film festivals and things like that, but the idea was that it would be bought by someone. And I knew that I wasn't making something of Netflix quality. But there's other brands out there that were looking for content, and I thought, this stuff is gold. Why would someone not buy it? So I shot the first five episodes, and I, then I tried to find someone to buy it. That didn't happen, so I started to edit them I had edited that most of them partially already. And so we had done some private screenings and I started uploading those first Slack Life episodes to my YouTube channel and they weren't even really doing well on YouTube. And what I realized was in the realm of YouTube, the audience that's following my channel, they're, they're more interested in, I don't want to say more interested. It's, it's more challenging to get an audience engaged in just a random upload if I myself as the creator aren't present in it. So if you try to get yourself in the headspace of a viewer on YouTube, there is channels out there that they can watch. And if someone reaches that point where they ever click the subscribe button, that's kind of them saying, hey, I would maybe like to hear from this channel again in the future. And if most of the videos that they've watched at that point is you, and then randomly in your timeline or your feed, you're uploading something that's like a micro documentary about someone else. Um, and what I mean by micro doc is the film festival style format where it's kind of that micro doc genre that was really popularized on Vimeo where there's interviews and you're trying to make it that short film style and you're trying to make it cinematic in the film festival format. Uh, if you just chuck one of those in your feed, I don't think I'm the first YouTuber to experience this. It is challenging to get your audience to find it and to be interested in it. And that is why behind the scenes videos are so great because usually viewers on YouTube might be interested in the behind the scenes videos and then you upload the finished film and they wanna see the finished film because they saw the behind the scenes videos. Uh, at least that's my viewership tendencies is, I mean, some channels that I really respect, they might upload a finished film 
and you can tell it's like that microdoc format or that uh, film festival format, and I, I, I might not click on it. And I feel bad about that because it's it's someone's passion project they spent time on, but I just have to acknowledge my own viewing habits. And I don't think people's viewing habits are inherently wrong. I just think when people go to YouTube channels and their subscription feeds, they're expecting to watch videos from YouTubers. Uh, and then the occasional, I mean, we obviously know there's outliers to that. There's lots of channels that uh, that kind of step beyond that format and are doing more of doing really high production value shows on YouTube. Uh, and so they kind of break that rule a little bit in my head of why someone subscribes to a person's channel. Um, it's the same reason why I ended up changing the channel name from Left Coast Visuals to my personal name because I realized no one was ever talking about my channel by saying my company's name. They would always say, oh, Levi has a channel. So I changed it to Levi Allen because I think people subscribe to channels most often because they're wanting to hear from that creator more. And so when I'm just chucking these micro docs into the feed, people aren't interested. Somewhat interested, not on the whole. And I kind of was stumped because here's something that I've just poured so much time into and people weren't necessarily... Like if you can't even get someone into the front door, that's frustrating. <laughs> and it's not necessarily the viewer's fault. Um, but if they're even entering the front door and then they're hanging around for a little bit and then they're, and then they're leaving, obviously all of the algorithm-driven platforms are aware of this and then they're just not going to recommend the content. And it's easy to hate on the algorithm, but that's just the facts of it. If someone's not watching the video, why would they show people? So I had a viewership problem. I had these first five episodes that I had uploaded that people weren't finishing. Some people were, not most. So they weren't really doing well. And that that bummed me out because I'm like, man, here's something that I spent so much time on and people aren't watching. So I kind of just, this was also during a very busy time in my life. And I kind of just paused for a little bit my idea of having a web series that would kind of gain some traction and maybe get me work was not materializing and I needed to make money, frankly. So I just did client work. <laughs> I didn't even finish the final two episodes of the original five. And then several months later, once I learned why they weren't working and thought about it for a little bit, I, I went, okay, let's re-edit these episodes uh, with more of my voice as the YouTuber as part of the experience watching it. And that's how I re-edited them in that headspace. And so I had to use a lot of my behind the scenes footage and this gave me more freedom to use voiceover. Uh, and that's kind of a key that unlocked some of my story structure problems. Cause I mean, you can do as many interviews as you like, but structuring a story can be challenging sometimes if the tension isn't there, if there's no ebbs and flows of the conflict, if even the, the premise of the video isn't obvious, that can be challenging to get someone in the front door and voiceover massively solves that. So if I include my voice as the creator in the episodes themselves, that solved so many problems for me. And I was able to re-edit them more in this YouTube hybrid format, upload them, have more effort towards having them be clickable, and then also have higher payoff to being viewable quickly. And uh, and they did massively better. Uh, I still somewhere on my channel have them, the originals unlisted but this kind of hybrid creator format is clearly not something that I pioneered, obviously, but it's not something that I had tried myself until until uh, this Slack Life series. And it was, I didn't want to. <laughs> uh, my favorite part about running the YouTube channel is not being on camera. That's not why I do it. And 
and it was not comfortable for me to hear my voice uh, in the edits. It, it felt pretentious. It felt weird. It felt not cinematic. Uh, but I couldn't argue with the results that it made it more engaging for the platform of YouTube and the videos did be better. And I didn't go full vlogging on it. Um, it's not like I'm like, hey, guys, here we are. Like and subscribe. I didn't do that. I still tried to make it the microdoc format, but I included my voice and it helped me structure the episodes better. And right now you can go to uh, to search the Slack Life series on YouTube and you can see a playlist of these new, better edited videos. And I think that they are legitimately improved with the filmmaker's voice in them because I didn't do as good of a job when I was filming them to to edit them otherwise. <laughs> I struggled because the stories weren't good enough. I didn't capture good enough stories. And so therefore in the edit, I struggled. So where does that, where does that leave us? Um, by the way, I'm appreciating uh, the chat. Um, we're definitely gonna do a post show once I wrap up my thoughts here. So don't go anywhere. But if you have any questions or sentiments about this topic, I'd love to hear them. I have no idea if this is gonna work as a podcast. I'm gonna have to listen back to this and hopefully there's something here. So how does that bring us up to my most procrastinated project of all time? Uh, the stuff that I've been sitting on my hard drives for five years that I've attempted to edit multiple times over and failed at. These episodes that I've been saying to the people that are in the episodes, I've been telling them, they ask me, hey, when are those coming out? And I say, soon. I've been saying soon for a long time. <laughs> I've always felt that they could be coming out in any three-month window. And and it, I will refer to it as these lost episodes, these last three episodes. And I'll talk about how they got filmed, but I'm experiencing, and I did experience, the the mounting shame of of just investing so much into something and not finishing it. I, okay, I guess we do have to chronologically work through that a little bit. So we shot the first one through five episodes of Slack Life series, and then... And then just these projects keep coming up where suddenly Spencer, one of the main guys that I film, is like, hey, we're going to Moab. Do you want to come down to Utah and film? It's like, do I want to come down to? Yeah, let's let's go make an episode in Moab. And then, hey, we're flying up to this mountaintop with helicopters. You should come. Okay. And all the while, I had hoped that I could line up sponsors for them. I didn't for any. <laughs> uh, but I just kept filming stuff because I was enjoying it. And I really love the filming process of all the things in in the realm of filmmaking picking up my camera and going shooting something is my favorite uh, especially if it's a new and exciting topic filming myself isn't my favorite but filming other people do interesting things absolute favorite thing i will do that in perpetuity no problem tons of energy i will work 24 hours a day that doesn't make sense but i will i will i will just those types of activities that you find so much joy in doing, that for me is picking up a camera and following someone I find interesting and holding it. I just love that process. So once I'm actually doing that on the ground, the momentum will just carry me and I will work so hard on something and film so much footage. And then uh, the actual process of then finishing those things is a whole other ball game. So we just carried on the momentum and I just kept spending my money on these projects that I just envisioned maybe being able to sell. And I didn't sell the first one through five episodes. 
so these last three, how am I gonna sell those ones as well? It's, it's just not happening. And so I started uploading the original five to YouTube even as I was just shooting more. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kept shooting. And suddenly we had three more projects that were big projects that I shot that I had no idea what to do with them. And it's like, hey, let's just make them more Slack Life episodes. And I didn't know how the storyline was all gonna connect through. Uh, the storyline wasn't as clear to me as it is now. And I shot more content. <laughs> And those were uh, 2017, 2018, across those two years, I kept my word in the sense that I wasn't waiting for someone to pay me. I was going out and filming stuff because that's the model I wanted to start my company on. I didn't want to wait for permission to make projects I liked. I wanted that to be baked into the DNA of what I did. I didn't want to wake up one day, five years down the road, have staff, have a studio, be grinding out client projects and never having the space to make something that I like. That to me was one of my worst fears. So I used that to guide me. And I said, well, we'll start the company by making things that I like, even if no one's paying for them. <laughs> Turns out that uh, that is a big investment. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It slows down everything. But I legitimately enjoyed shooting those videos. And with all the feelings that went along with including myself as a voice in the series, I didn't realize some of those, I didn't fully realize that including my own voice in the episodes was a good idea until we had already finished shooting the three. So the lessons that I had already been learning from the new editing, I didn't get to fully implement in these, these new three episodes. So I kind of had myself in a weird spot where I'd been learning from my failures, but I hadn't been, I had now shot stuff that I shot differently than how I would like to shoot it. And raise your hand if you've ever been there, where you've got projects on the hard drive, and then when you finally start editing them, you realize, oh no, <laughs> I did a bad thing. I, I did X, Y, Z wrong, and it's bad. Uh, I wish I could do it over. It's incredible what happens when you get to the edit bay, and you have to see the footage you shot, and then you just realize all the things you did wrong. That's why I'm such a big advocate for putting in the reps and finishing videos, especially if you are a creator, just make three out of 10 quality. That's what I always say. Just lower your standards, pump out a bunch, and you will be fascinated how quickly you'll progress on things that you didn't know you wanted to progress on. And this is probably where my over my overthinking on this project specifically can be tied right to the beginning but there's a point that I I burned myself out big time on self-producing my own content, uh, my originals. And what I, again, mean by originals is just those those pieces that you put the extra effort into, the extra love to make them better, the microdoc format. My goal had always been to sprinkle those through to my upload schedule. And I'd kind of burned myself out trying to do that. And this was right around when I was really struggling with 4K. Uh, I had shot a bunch of this stuff in 4K and my computer at the time couldn't do it. So I didn't have enough money to upgrade my computer. And so the initial thing that I use as my overthinking was I just need to make client videos so I can save up for more for better gear. That was overthinking number one. So I did that and that takes time. And that was six months later, we had some better gear. But then I opened up the projects and I imported the media and it's now a year and a half after we shot some of the stuff and I don't know, it's just like, it's not very good. You know, you're just not happy with it. You realize, ah, geez, there's a lot of footage here. I don't want to go through all this. 
and you're scanning through and you're remembering what you shot and you're realizing, ah, the story, the story isn't here. The story's not here. That is so devastating after the fact to realize that you missed it. That's painful. The beautiful thing about making a lot of videos is that you get better. And the problem with getting better is that you like the stuff you shot in the past less. <laughs> and when you're 200 videos into your, your YouTube career and you're just putting in the reps and you're learning a lot about storytelling in the process and you just are kicking yourself for dropping the ball on certain story things, it's just frustrating. Because on one hand, it's, wow, I invested all this time uh, I think I tallied it up and it's over six weeks of filming on videos that never got uploaded these last three episodes. Massive amount of time. I'm a newlywed. I was leaving my my poor Janelle at home. And well, obviously there was a conversation that happened there, but I'm deciding, hey, I want to go out and shoot these things. And I think it's worth uh, the, the pressure that it will put on. Not pressure. That's not the wrong word. There's sacrifices you make to do things you love. And so I made the sacrifices and to feel like you made the sacrifices for something that wasn't good sucks. <laughs> you know, you put in all this time and effort and you paid the price. And then the finished thing isn't even, you don't even like it. Man, that's, that's a not fun place to be in. And that's where I was. I'd invested six weeks of shooting hundreds of hours of my time before and after a lot of emotional effort where I don't feel bad in acknowledging that I had been really wanting these episodes to help my career, to help my development as an artist. And I'm looking at them and I don't like them. <laughs> sure, there's some cool shots, but I just don't like them. And that is not a... And that is, if I'm climbing up the staircase of overthinking... This is one of the biggest hurdles to get over is just not liking it. I didn't like it. And usually at this point, if it's a smaller project where the editing process is simpler, at this point, you just kind of go, well, we'll learn from the next one. You, you, you bite down on your tongue and you put in the work and a week later you have a finished edit and it's done. I was so mad at myself and just annoyed and frustrated that I couldn't even bring myself to edit the selects. I couldn't even like bear the idea of watching back the footage. And the irony is, is that, I mean, if any of these clips, if, if I just cut them together and you saw them, they're fine. They're, they're, they're fine. It's good. Even it's fine video. And this is what I meant when I was saying earlier that I'm my worst enemy where it's purely a conversation that I'm having with myself. It's not even getting to the place of wondering how things will happen. It's not even getting to the place where I'm wondering what they're going to be received as. It's we, we haven't even allowed myself to get to that stage. And believe me, that stage is real too. But we're stuck two steps before we even got there. And if there's anything I've learned, if you don't put something on the calendar, it doesn't get done. <laughs> so what a beautiful thing to just avoid putting something on the calendar. And I did that. I, I, 
I feel the sensation every Christmas time where in the weeks leading up, I usually cram and finish a project from the year. And so you can imagine for every Christmas since I shot this stuff, I had to ask myself, am I going to get this done before the new year? And that was a legitimate thing that I wrestled with and didn't. And so being in a similar position to when I first started video and I'm five years into this craft and I haven't made a thing I like and I'm asking myself, should I quit? In that same spot, that's where I'm at with these three episodes. That's where I found, my, found myself in the fall, uh, the fall of 2021, where I'm asking myself, okay, here's these three episodes. Clearly, you're not getting them done because you haven't. And we have five years of evidence to prove that. And what are we going to do? You don't like the way you shot them. It's an immense amount of work to finish them. Are you willing to ever just put them on the calendar so you can actually have this door, this chapter closed in your life? It's interesting to stand on the precipice and have to just ask that question. And I think it's, I'm very good at avoiding asking myself the question because I know if I answer it, I then have to do it. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to just avoid the question, to just avoid doing it, to avoid having that conversation with yourself. And it's a painful thing to get there, but we got there. Thank goodness. And of course, my story to myself about why they weren't getting done is even more complicated than what I've even tried to lay out here. And even it's just hilarious to me as I'm talking, because I know that there's not a lot of logic in what I've said from an objective outside of myself standpoint. And this is why we need friends. And this is why we need a community, because you can remorse about your struggles and then they can go, you're being silly. It's fine. Finish it. Don't be a coward. <laughs> That's what community's for. But if you hide away into a cave and you don't, you, you, isolate yourself. You're not even allowing other people into what you're talking to yourself about. And then you're at a complete stalemate and you're being your own worst enemy. So at the end of last year, 2021, I came up with this concept of, hey, we're going to do membership month on the channel. I'm going to try drive some support so I can pay an editor to help me. And that's what we did. Woo! <laughs> the absolute relief of deciding it will now get done, of saying finished is better than perfect. Man, to actually then make that decision, boom, that's when you start aligning momentum on your side. You make the decision to say, we will get this done and it will get uploaded and finished. But even more so than when you add the audience layer to it, then it becomes a sure thing. So then we have to get it done. And that's the journey we've been on this year so far. So I've been working on these three episodes and I got to pay an editor to help me because I was so stuck. And that's such a humbling thing to be at a place where you're not willing to edit your own stuff. But I just, I just knew there's no way, there's no way I'm going to edit this on my own because <laughs> I just couldn't. Uh, I was too much of a coward to face my own mistakes. And so I, I paid, I paid my friend, Nick, uh, hundreds of dollars a day to make progress on it. So that way I could bear the thought of opening the project file. And, uh, it's fascinating how much emotional pain I've caused myself with just these three videos. 
And in one sense, it's such a shame, right? Because I could have finished them years ago and they would have been fine. And here we are three years past when I thought I would have published them, still not done. And yet uh, we've got the good news of a, of a published date coming up. And that is so exciting for me. Oh, what a weight off my shoulders it's going to be to finally have these episodes finished. And there's a lot of conversation with myself that went along with that of just acknowledging, hey, just let them be what they're going to be. It's okay to finish them as they are. It's okay to use your own voice as a filmmaker to solve some of the story problems. But you can't, you can't untangle the web until you actually get into it. And that's why I think it's, it's of the utmost importance for a documentary filmmaker, I think. Once the primary shooting is done, it is so important to get that media imported and edited to a rough cut state. It is so important because you can't start solving the puzzle until you know what the pieces are and you don't know what the pieces are until you've done a rough cut. There is so many issues that come along with, with structure and formatting and endless technique that goes into editing that your brain wants to solve, but you can't solve until you've started. And for me, it's embarrassing that I had to spend thousands of dollars on editing to get started uh, because I just was, I just believed I could do it on my own, but that's what we did. I beat my own overthinking by paying someone else <laughs> by a project that I had invested so much of my personal time into and so much personal money, we decided to spend more money on <laughs> with no guarantee that I will make any profit. But just for my sanity as a creative, I had to do this. Or I just had to decide that it was a complete failure, but I'm not willing to do that because I, I want to at least have them done. And uh, yeah, I wanted to just explore that as a topic of, I, I don't know how you found my work, but there's some videos that I made that I'm legitimately proud of. And to get those done takes showing up even when you don't feel like it. And so what do you do as a creative if you aren't even willing to show up on your own passion projects? What do you do? And you've got to put it on the calendar. I just believe in that so strongly. You got to put a date on the calendar. You got to put your own editing sessions on the calendar. You have to set aside the time. Every single project that I ever finished, I set my own deadline for. Because if there's no deadline, they never get done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if there's no deadline, why would I do it? I mean, the regular YouTube uploads, like the week-to-week -week videos, that's a little bit less of that that struggle. But the big projects, they need deadlines for me. And what a convenient thing it is to never set the deadline because then you never have to do it, right? Uh, man, it feels good to know that these uh, that they're getting published. Um, we're doing the private premiere for the first one with the channel members, as promised. That private premiere is getting announced. It's going to be June 9th. So if you're a member of the channel, welcome. It's good to have you. We're going to be doing a private screening of this on uh, June 9th, and I'm thrilled. And can I tell you a little secret? They aren't done yet. What a good way to just get them done. Uh, they're close, but they're not finished. And I could deliberate about those final decisions forever. One of the things I'm procrastinating right now is recording my voiceovers. And I don't want to do it because I don't like my voice in videos. <laughs> 
But now that we've set the deadline, now that there's a date that we're going to premiere it, all, all machines into action. It's game on. Let's go. The thing that I've been procrastinating for over three years will get finished in several weeks' time because there's a date set, because we're not overthinking it, because I'm actually opening the edit file and staring at the footage I shot. I at least want to be able to say, hey, this is a wrap, and see you in the next episode. And yep, boy, that's a rough way to finish that.